Um, anyway, our speaker this morning is Pete Norris. Pete is uh, one of our new uh, newer curates here at Bay Church, and Pete and uh, his, his wife and children have joined the team over the last uh, just month or so. It's been great getting to know Pete, and I'm sure many of you others have been getting to know him, but a chance to hear from him this morning. But before he comes up, uh, would you welcome, I think it's Bex who's going to come and do our reading this morning. We want to welcome Bex, and then when Pete gets up, you can welcome him too. <laughs> and the reading this morning is from Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 7. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Thanks, Bex. Thank you. Um, as I said, my name is Pete. I'm also becoming known as the second Gareth in that um, our, our similarities really came into focus this week. Not only are we both bold, we have beards and we're former graphic designers, but we turned up to the leader's celebration wearing the same Christmas jumper, which for the record, I'd like to say that I bought a week before he did. So um, there's still some disagreement over that. Um, this morning, I'd love to speak to you about um, how we find peace, even in the midst of pain, which feels even more relevant after the football last night, doesn't it? So we're going to have a special time of prayer ministry for anyone who would like it later. Um, but uh, I, I want to start by telling you a story. Um, and a few years ago, well, more than a few years ago now, because I'm getting old. Um, but a few years ago, I was doing a theology degree. And... Um, we, there was this part of the year where you were sent away as part of this course, believe it or not, um, to go on a weekend in the wilderness. And when I say wilderness, I don't mean some kind of like romanticized image uh, of the, the Scottish Highlands or the Brecon Beacons or something like that. I mean a farm in the middle of Devon with a few pet pigs and some woods. And in my mind, I had, you know, our leaders being some kind of combination of Bear Grylls and Ross Kemp. Uh, and what we got was very different, still good, but very different. Um, and the weekend was designed to test your character and your leadership under challenging circumstances. So throughout the weekend, we had to do um, different tests. Obviously, they couldn't be, you know, too, too fun because it's a Christian weekend. Um, but uh, I could handle skinning rabbits, you know, I could do that. But there were things that we couldn't handle. So one of my friends genuinely could not handle B12 
being away from her shower and her straighteners for the weekend. Um, but me, even worse, as a 33-year-old man, um, couldn't handle the dark. So I'm, I'm still a little bit afraid um, of the dark. And if there's one thing this place had going for it in the middle of nowhere, it was darkness. Um, no kind of reassuring glow of nearby Exeter and the light pollution in the sky to warm the night. It was just pitch black. The kind of black where you're just, your eyes won't even adjust to it no matter how long you spend trying. And um, on, one, uh, on the Saturday night, the leaders had set up this challenge. Um, obviously, they weren't aware of my particular fear at this point in time. Um, but they'd set up a challenge where they set a rope leading through the woods next to us. Uh, so right going through every bit of the woods, over every rock, over every stump, everything. And they sent us off one by one, holding that rope, no torches. Um, and we had to go in silence one by one through the woods and get to the other side. And I think during that, I tripped over every single rock, stump, everything. I was battered by the end of it. Um, did I mention that we didn't have any torches? Um, there were no torches, not even the reassuring glow of a smartphone screen to just even let you know where you're going. And I didn't let on at the time, but I was completely freaked out. I really hated it. Um, I couldn't stand being so disorientated, not knowing where the people were around me. Even though I knew that people were near me, I couldn't stand um, not knowing what was around and when it comes to seasons of darkness in our lives, they come every now and then. We all experience seasons of complete darkness where your life is completely disorientated, where you don't know what way is up any longer and things are incredibly painful. And we find ourselves scrambling around in the darkness trying to work out some kind of meaning and what's going on. And maybe at the moment you're going through some, some big life changes. Maybe you've got a teenage son or daughter who you just don't know what to do with. Maybe you've just lost a job or someone that you love. Darkness comes to our lives or seasons of darkness comes to our lives in all sorts of different forms. And this morning, what I would love to show you is that God meets us in our pain with his promises and his presence. And that is what gives birth peace. Um, in our lives. And times of darkness is something that we all experience. And even if you're a follower of Jesus, you don't get a, a free pass on pain. I don't know why, but we're not immune. Um, but there is no darkness too great that God cannot meet you in and redeem. But of course, I don't know about you, when, when you hear that, and maybe you're in a season of darkness at the moment, it's not exactly the most comforting thing because when we're in that season, when we're in that place, we tend to lose all perspective. We find it impossible to believe that we will feel anything other than what we are currently feeling and what we're currently dealing with. And I say that because this is exactly how the last 12 months have felt for me in that we have had our own season of darkness this last 12 months. And I've spent a lot of time wrestling with God, wondering whether this is the thing that is finally going to pull me under. And in that season, I've had to work really hard at trusting who I've known God to be before and his promises, even when it hasn't felt like I can see the way out, see the way forward. 
So what I'm putting to you to this morning is born out of this passage from Isaiah, but also born out of our lived experience from the last year. So I want to think about God's promises to us, rooting ourselves in God's promises. If we go back to the passage um, in Isaiah, you'll see that um, God's people are also in a huge mess. Um, Isaiah describes them as a people who are walking in darkness and living in a land of darkness. In other words, they don't know what God's up to. Sound familiar to anyone? (laughs) Um, But then suddenly, this prophecy leaps out from Isaiah, a promise that a light has dawned and that things are going to change. Isaiah says that a son is going to be given. Jesus, God is beginning the process of making all those wrong things right. And we're given a snapshot of what this son is going to look like. He's a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And these verses in Isaiah 9 are this big picture of a God who is desperate to be in our presence, to bring light to our darkness, not someone who expects us to work our way to him or to earn our way into his presence. Now, with this promise, for example, there's just one tiny detail problem in that this prophecy was given hundreds of years before it was actually fulfilled. And at the risk of sounding deeply materialistic for the moment, When I was a kid, as I'm sure we um, all found this, um, I loved Christmas and could not wait to discover what I was actually getting for Christmas. So I would pester my parents from about August um, about what I would like, you know, because I just wanted to make sure that they knew exactly what I wanted for that Christmas. And then I would set about the task in maybe September onwards of searching around the house to see what I could find perhaps even at points poking holes in certain boxes to find out what was in those boxes. And once I had found out what I was getting, I then couldn't wait even more. My excitement and anticipation went through the roof because I knew what was coming. And similarly, that's what we've got here. We've got this huge promise of things changing and we know what's coming, that sense of anticipation. But the people of God had to live in this twilight zone of knowing what was coming, knowing that change was coming, but not quite being there yet. And in our time in history and in our place, we also live in a similar twilight zone. Jesus has come and he died so that we could be set free from our sin. We could enjoy relationship with God again. And he's begun the work of restoring each of us and will one day restore all things. But the job isn't finished yet. Each of us and creation itself are still fundamentally broken. But God gives us another promise. In Revelation, the book at the very end of the Bible, when Jesus comes back, he says that he will make all things new, that he will wipe away every tear from every eye. Pain and darkness will be no more. That's the big overarching promise that we can cling on to in times of pain but we have to live in that twilight zone between the kingdom that we know of this world that is passing away and the kingdom that is coming. So how do we live in the twilight zone and keep ourselves sane? Well, as well as God's promises, he gives us his presence. And this is what is truly um, transformative. 
um, because God gives us himself. Ultimately, this is the story of Christmas that's at the heart of the Christmas story, that Jesus comes to be with us. But it's even true today. At the end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus tells his followers that he is with us to the very end of the age. And by his spirit, God's presence is with us um, today. But what is God's presence like? Because if you're not familiar with like church and all this kind of language, God's presence may sound like a slightly weird idea. Um, And I think all of us have some kind of internal caricature of what we think God is like. And I wonder what yours is, because um, if I've got a nice picture of Aunt Middleton coming up. If your picture of God is someone like Aunt Middleton, who's on uh, SAS Who Dares Wins on Channel 4, which I highly recommend, um, but maybe your internal caricature of what God is like is someone who's a bit scary, a bit demanding, quite strong, quite overbearing. I'm sure Aunt's obviously a lovely man in person. Um, But the idea of him being around you all the time isn't exactly a comforting thing. That's quite a scary thing. Um, So we need God to tell us what God is like, rather than just relying on perhaps those kind of cultural things that we assume um, about what God might be like. So if we flick to the next one, this is what I think God's like. This is by a guy called Charlie Maxey, um, who's just a wonderful artist, written a very popular book um, recently. And this is his picture of the prodigal son. Because if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. He's endlessly loving, merciful, compassionate, gracious. God's favorite way to describe himself in the Bible is from Exodus. It's the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, devotion, and faithfulness. That is the Bible's most favorite verse to quote. That is how God loves to describe himself. The God I know isn't like Aunt Middleton, thankfully. He is for us. He is profoundly for us. He wants to step into our mess and darkness, not to step away from it. It's precisely your brokenness and my brokenness and your sinfulness and my sinfulness that motivates God to draw close to us. It's almost the thing that he just can't help but get involved with. He can't help loving us. When a child, for example, is crying uncontrollably, and we've got two who maybe sometimes cry uncontrollably, maybe because they've fallen over the mud and they've hurt themselves or something like that, and a mix of snot and tears and everything's running down their face. You don't pick them up and kind of hold them at a distance. A good parent, hopefully, which we are sometimes, um, you pick them up and you can't help but smother them and comfort them. And I think sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I think God's the other way, that it's kind of like, oh, you're too much of a mess. But that's not true. He picks us up and he can't help but wrap us in that big, embrace, just like in Charlie Maxey's um, image. So if that is what God is like, if that's what God's presence is like with us, then that is a really wonderful, comforting thing, even in um, times of pain. And earlier this year, all I could manage to do was to make space in my day to sit with God's promises and be in his presence. And for me, that looked like sitting at our kitchen table, opening the Lectio 365 app, and letting out a big sigh before I tried um, to pray. 
And all I could do was cling to a verse in Psalm 18, which just says, my God turns my darkness into light. I had no idea how God was going to turn the darkness of that season into light. But I just kept pressing into and kept trying to hold on to who God claims to be. I just kept sitting in his presence, trusting that he loved me and wanted the best for me. And if we sit in God's promises and his presence, that's when we can experience tangible peace, not just a kind of cold intellectual peace, but an experiential peace. If God is good, if he is in control, if he loves us, if he has the power to turn our darkness into light, then we can release whatever situation, whatever circumstances we're in, into his hands, knowing that he's got it. He's ultimately in control and he's got us in the palm of his hands. Just this, um, just this Monday gone, actually, um, I just found myself uh, getting worried about a few things in the day, like that kind of like tummy rumbling, like uncomfortable feeling you get sometimes when you're just beginning to worry about things. Um, and I got home and I said to Rachel, I was like, I just need to go and sit with Jesus for a bit. And I went and sat with Jesus, journaled out, told him what I was worrying about, what was going on. And my sense of worry soon evaporated because, again, I just sat on what God had said to me before. I went back to some of his promises, back to some of the things he said to me over the last 12 months. And that sense of anxiety soon evaporated. And that's an example, hopefully, that, um, that helps kind of put some kind of tangibleness to that. So what about us now in this space here this morning? Because maybe you're in the midst of some kind of season of darkness at the moment, and you need God to break in and give some kind of hope. Maybe there's something that you've been through recently that's really dark, and you're still reeling from it. You've still got that need of healing. Or maybe there's something in your past that just lurks in the shadows of your memory that still hurts when you think about it, and you need God to bring some healing to that today and some peace. Or maybe you know someone who's going through a season of darkness at the moment, and you want to pray for them this morning. However it looks, um, we're going to spend some time inviting God's presence to bring peace to us, tangible peace, not just cold intellectual peace, um, to be with us this morning. So I'm going to invite Matt back up, and we're going to pray.